0: Hi there Okay, who speaks Australian? Put your hand up (laughs) Somebody said I have an accent Is that true? No What did you say? It's not true, I didn't think it was No, I don't believe that (laughs) I can certainly understand myself I'm grateful that I don't have to speak through translators here I, um the Aussie accent is possibly the hardest to translate for anybody who translates. I've had some interesting experiences being having a Dutchman translate what I'm saying into French. <laughs> not sure what I said to that church. Because <laughs> they don't do it word for word, you know. You have to give them a whole sentence and they translate the whole sentence. And uh, they interpret, you know, not word for word, so you could be saying anything really because you've got to cross the cultural barriers first. And I've just come from Sarajevo. So I had somebody translating my language <laughs> into Croatian. And for some reason, when they say it in Croatian, it takes a lot longer. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a wow time. That was like 500 women from all over Europe, 10 nations in Europe, And there's an Aussie couple there. Look, can I brag about the Aussies? Is that all right? (laughs) And uh, I love you guys. I've been coming to America for probably three or four years and just really have built some quality relationships here. And you guys are great. But I I just want to say to you before I go very far this morning that uh, as I've travelled over the last 10 to 12 years and probably been in around 18 nations, um, some I just keep going back to, I've seen that God is doing a tremendous work of reconciliation in the nations. And one of the things he is doing in particular is, for my nation, he's moving some of us into the UK and the United States. And what is also happening is that uh, wherever you go through the United Kingdom, uh, England, Ireland and Scotland, you find that definitely Australians and very frequently Americans are there ministering into that area of the world. And I believe it's something that God is doing because um, this is not at all a disparaging comment about, about English people but from that nation the Australians were sent out as convicts and my great-great-great-grandfather was an Irish convict sent out on the first fleet to Australia. And so our nation was founded in great injustice and mistreatment and uh, what God I believe is doing is he is sending back the nations into the very nation that facilitated that injustice and for you guys, you know, your nation was founded as a reaction to uh, the lack of religious freedom and so I have friends who are in a part of England from which your pilgrim fathers left to come to this nation and they have a reconciliation ministry happening and so the couple who are set up in Bosnia are Australians Uh, Apparently, I prophesied them there. Now, I get blamed for a lot of things, okay? (laughs) And don't use my name in vain, please. But apparently, I prophesied from Australia. They live just near where I live in Queensland. Uh, I prophesied them into Croatia. And uh, I've been visiting in Croatia where they have established a reconciliation ministry called Broken Bridges. And they are connecting the Serbs and the Croats. I don't know how familiar you are with that terrible war that went on over there but it was just tremendously damaging to those nations and they lived about four years in Croatia, this couple and uh, several times I've ministered there in a region where women are not allowed to minister. (laughs) How about that? Don't you love it? (laughs) And God takes a very young Australian woman like me (laughs) and sends her in to break down mindsets Not by anything I do because I'm just me. (laughs) I'm very ordinary, believe me. And God has gifted me with a wonderful gift and I value that highly but I'm really just me. And God sends somebody in like me and now pastors there are starting to receive women in ministry. And so this Aussie couple moved from Croatia to Sarajevo and Sarajevo is a city that came under tremendous siege and bombardment for about four years Um, there are memorials there to the thousands of children who died under the bombardment and the siege that the Croats set up so once again I'm not criticising any nation but this is what happened and so now they've taken their women's conference which started out at 70 women and now attracts 500 women (laughs) and is operating in Bosnia and uh, we saw during this conference better be careful what I say you recording this is this being recorded? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Some things are hard to say. But we saw changes of mindset come through this conference from pastors who had previously considered that women shouldn't minister. And so everywhere God is actually doing something really incredible in the area of restoration. And so I want to speak to you this morning about unlocking the impossible. and The, the impossible is unlocked through restoration. Acts chapter 3, verse 21 in the Amplified Bible. This is the Bible that Jesus used. <laughs> he would have used it if he could have, okay? It's talking about Jesus, Acts three twenty-one. It says, Whom heaven must receive and retain until the time for the complete restoration of all that God spoke by the mouth of all his holy prophets for ages past from the most ancient time in the memory of man. God is saying he must complete restoration before Jesus can be released. And only God the Father knows when Jesus will be released to come back. And I don't believe it's about a perfect bride because he can never come, but it's about a level of restoration in the earth that God needs to do to unlock and release Jesus back to earth for the completion of all things. And so when the impossible is unlocked, we create a bridge between heaven and earth. As you well know, we're living in a carnal world. We're living in a world where much is imperfect and much is incomplete. But we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. See, if it's a ministry, you do it all the time. If it's a ministry, you don't pick it up in church and put it down as you leave the door. If it's a ministry, it's a lifestyle. There's a picture in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 32. I'm going to run through this really quickly. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version of this because it's quite a study in itself. In Jeremiah chapter 32 we see that the prophet Jeremiah is in prison. Now, he spent a lot of time in prison. It's not a bad place for a prophet to be, I don't think. Certainly takes away the distractions. I'm thankful I haven't spent any time actually in prison, but there are certain prisons and wildernesses and pits that we all walk through, aren't there? And Jeremiah is in prison and God speaks to him in prison. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, in prison, God spoke to him. And he spoke to him very specifically and he says something like this in verse 7, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you, saying, By my field which is in Anatoth For the right of redemption is yours to buy it. What an exciting thing, the right of redemption. Somebody used the redemption word up here this morning. Okay? And under Jewish law, the next of kin had the right to purchase the property and actually had the right to marry any leftover wives. And so the right of redemption is set up as a law in the Old Testament and God is telling the prophet in prison go and buy that field because you have first choice, you have the right of redemption. And so it came to pass, just as God said, and his uncle's son comes to him and says, please buy my field for the right of inheritance is yours and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself, then I knew this was the word of the Lord. So he buys the field and he buys it legally and he signs the deed in front of witnesses. Isn't this a picture of the cross? remarkable isn't it and he takes the purchase deed it says in verse 11 sealed according to the law this was a legal transaction and he gave the purchase deed to this guy called Barak and we've got the genealogy there which I won't give you they did it legally and in verse 14 it says thus says the Lord of hosts the God of Israel take the deeds the purchase deed which is sealed and the deed which is open And put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. Another beautiful picture. What are we but an earthen vessel? You know, the work of the cross, the covenant that was signed by Jesus, put within us as earthen vessels. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. See, the land is in bondage. The land is imprisoned, if you like. And Jeremiah responds here in verse 17, and we used to sing this years ago. Our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. So Jeremiah responds with faith in a situation which looks impossible because the Chaldeans had taken the nation of Israel captive It's in control of a heathen king. The prophet is in prison and God has given him a prophetic act and says this is symbolic of the restoration that I'm going to do for my people and Jeremiah responds with faith here. I love the way God either agrees or disagrees with us. I find that the less God says the more he disagrees with me. When there's this deafening silence (laughs) I know that God is not even going to comment on what I've said. If I've asked him a question and he doesn't want to say yes he usually says nothing to me I find. But here we find that God agrees in verse 27 of the same chapter God says yes I am the Lord, the God of all flesh is anything too hard for me? And then these chapters go on to talk about uh, the everlasting covenant that God has promised to his people. And in verse chapter 33 and verse 3, God says some famous words that we probably know really well that we also used to sing, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know, which you do not know. You see, God has so much to reveal, so much to uncover. He says the right of redemption is ours. Jesus signed the covenant, but Jeremiah had to go and do something. He had to activate the covenant, didn't he? And in our lives we are, by faith, positioned, seated with Christ at heavenly places. But have you noticed that not everything that God has given us is operating in our lives? And so we need to look at this factor of the impossible areas of our lives and start to use the keys God has given us to unlock what is impossible with man, to activate the plans of God. Whenever we see this statement coming out in the Bible, when the word impossible is used, or when the statement is made, is anything too hard for God, it is always when God is about to birth something new and miraculous. When the angel came to Abraham and said, your wife is going to have a baby, she's too old and maybe she no longer even wants to have that baby. The statement that is made as a response to Sarah's response is, is anything too hard for God? Where you have a situation that is impossible and only God can work in it, that is the very moment at which we need to have a response that says, we acknowledge that nothing is too hard for God. When the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he he told her about Elizabeth, who was now pregnant miraculously, the same statement is made. With God, nothing shall be impossible. In fact, in the Amplified Bible, it says, no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfilment. You know, as somebody who ministers a lot prophetically and I certainly haven't counted but I have prophesied over hundreds and hundreds of people in all places. And some of those prophecies have come to pass and some haven't. And you know, without trying to let myself off the hook here, I want to say to you that the fulfilment of your destiny and your prophetic words is more in your hands than it is in the hand of the person speaking that to you. Because God gives you a prophetic word to use as a sword. And when the prophetic is spoken, what happens is the enemy comes to kill that baby at its birth. And often the opposite happens. Have you noticed that? That is the time to pick up your sword and say, No, my God said, my God has declared and not to lay down under the negative attack of the enemy. And so when we unlock the impossible, firstly, justice is restored. And I want to turn over to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, You will always get a lot of the Word of God if I'm ministering, okay? Because this is the greatest prophecy ever given. (laughs) And the Word of God has such power to set you free. The first thing we see, I believe, God restoring in the earth before Jesus returns is justice. Justice. Have you found that injustice is the very thing that stirs your heart the most, whether it's towards you or somebody else? Because God is a God of justice. And when injustice is occurring, it goes against his very nature. And we see in this uh, chapter 18 of Luke that Jesus tells a series of parables. He gives a series of pictures to make a point. Verse 1 says he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. If you read the rest of that chapter in relationship to that one verse, you'll get a message that Jesus was trying to give you. It's a story of the unjust judge. It's about the widow who just came and came and came and wouldn't stop speaking, wouldn't stop bringing her cause until the unjust judge responded. And Jesus said, How much more will my heavenly Father respond to your injustice if you keep praying? But most importantly, if you leave those injustices that have occurred in your life in the hands of your God. Because if you take action to right what is wrong in your life, what is an injustice against you, then God takes his hands off it. Yeah. <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 in the Amplified Bible. <coughs> this is a scripture that God gave me in one of the many times when uh, false accusation and injustice had launched itself against me. And it always launches itself against the prophetic because if the prophetic voice can be disempowered and discredited, then one of the the mouthpieces of God in the earth is closed down. And this is a promise God gave me personally that I want to give to you today. It says, He will establish you to the end. He will keep you steadfast. He will give you strength and guarantee your vindication. That's a strong guarantee, isn't it? He will be your warrant against all accusation or indictment. He, Jesus, will be so that you will be guiltless and irreproachable in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. You see, when you hand your unjust situations over to Jesus, then he takes responsibility to vindicate you. And if he vindicates you, it will truly happen. Another area of restoration that God is doing is he is exalting the humble. He is exalting. You know the principle is if you humble yourself, God exalts you. If you rise up in pride, God has to humble you because the Bible says he distances himself from the proud. Now, that scripture scared me silly a few years ago. When I I read that and I thought, oh my God, I just so don't want to be proud. Because the thought of God distancing himself from me was unbearable. And I believe that God is raising up a people in this time from those who have not been noticed before, from those who have walked in humility and those who have walked in hiddenness and unseenness, and God is just pulling them up out of nowhere and they're coming up and they may or may not have title and recognition and position You can have that if you can stay humble. But God is lifting up his army because he wants to right what is wrong and he wants to activate uh, in the earth an army of people who walk with him because they love him and not for any other reason. And you'll find that there in the story uh, from verses 9 to 14 of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee is exalting himself You know, I give all tithes, I go and I fast and everything I do is according to the law. But here we have a man, a sinner, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus, in verse 14, links this to God exalting and restoring those people who have walked in humility, saying, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he goes on in those same verses, verses 15 and 16 of that chapter, to talk about the children coming and to talk about us receiving the kingdom as a little child. So what do children do? They just trust, don't they? Children just trust. A friend of mine tells the story of his little girl who when she was quite young, about three years old, would wait until her father walked below the staircase in the house. Now, this is like a big two-storey staircase. And she would yell out, Catch me, Daddy! And she'd jump. And she just had faith that her daddy would catch her. Now, he did every time. (laughs) It's okay, she's grown up and married. (laughs) That is scary, isn't it? But sometimes God wants us to say, Catch me, Daddy! and just jump with faith into his arms. Children come with simple faith. You see, we have gone so far into seeker-friendly and apologetic type of churches and and churches that uh, just want to uh, placate the flesh. And God wants to raise his people up again to be people who just believe his word i i am so simple (laughs) if god said it i believe it i don't care how it happened (laughs) i don't care all the the gymnastics that people go through to explain why maybe jesus didn't mean what he said my jesus means what he said my god means what he says and we want to bring honor back to the word of god and have that simple faith that says we believe the word of god Here's an exciting one for you. God is restoring the prodigals. He's bringing the prodigal children back. And we see this once again being linked to what is impossible in this very same chapter in verse 24. And my Bible has this little subheading that says, with God all things are possible. Don't you love that? It stirs my heart. And Jesus was talking to this rich man who couldn't give up his money. And so he says, well, who on earth can be saved if it's so hard, you know, to give up everything that you can't give up? Verse 24, when Jesus saw that, he became very sorrowful. He said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with man are possible with God. Many of you have situations with loved ones, with them outside of the kingdom of God. Some of them have never been in the kingdom of God and some have walked away. God is restoring what the enemy has stolen with your children and your family members, husbands and wives, grandchildren. You know there was a generation that was stolen from the kingdom of God. They were ripped out of the churches. And now is the season when God is bringing them back. And I want to tell you that the prodigals will come back with a fire and enthusiasm for God that will make everybody here look lukewarm. They are coming back, okay? And before we finish today, we are going to stand on these promises and we are going to claim them for ourselves. God is restoring back that which you have sacrificed. It goes on to talk about the restoration in uh, verse 29 of what people have given up for the kingdom. Jesus said, There is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wives or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. In the chapter in Jeremiah we see that, that God was restoring houses and land and fields. There's pictures there, pictures of natural houses, pictures of your land, your nation, pictures of fields which is your place of prosperity and I believe also above and beyond anything else it's a picture of the church. That God is restoring his church. I wonder what church Jesus saw in his mind's eye when he died on the cross. I wonder how he pictured his people being. I tell you now that God is restoring his church but God is also restoring back to many of you who will claim it, that which you sacrificed for the kingdom. And lastly out of this chapter in the book of Luke, God is restoring health. He's bringing health back to his people. Yeah. There are too many sick Christians There are too many Christians dying before their time. It's another area that has been stolen and I believe this is all coming just supernaturally, just supernaturally that God is just going to establish again in the earth that he is God, that his sovereignty is going to rise again and it's going to rise in these areas. You see, Jesus said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Now, there's a lot of keys of the kingdom But in relationship to what I'm talking about this morning, we're looking at these keys. We're looking at persistent faith. The ability to hang on like a little fox terrier dog. I used to have one. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And to never give up. To never give up. I totally believe in naming what we are believing for and claiming it but it's not a one-off event. We need to pray and keep praying, but praying in faith, not from a position of supplication, not, please, God, just give me this, because if you don't, I'm going to die right now. Have you been in that place? We need to pray from heaven, yeah, not to heaven. We need to pray from our position of authority, declaring the word of God until there is a response because everything must obey the word of God. You see, the bride leans her head upon her husband's chest and just whispers a request and he says, yes, I'd love to. Yeah. See, we don't have to come as the widow who had to just beg and beg and beg. That's a worldly example of how uh, a a woman who didn't have any other um, picture or understanding of God would respond. But it's an example of persistence. And Jesus said, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give the kingdom? In World War II, the fighter pilots during the Battle of Britain had a standing order. You know how, you've probably seen the war movies. They sit beside the plane waiting for the siren to go off that uh, planes are coming across the English Channel. And the standing order was this. When you hear that siren, get as high as you can as quickly as you can because whoever had their plane at the greatest height had the advantage in the battle because the plane that came up from underneath, that pilot had to look up. He couldn't always see where the other plane was. Maybe he had the sun in his eyes. Faith takes us to that highest place in the battle and stands there and says, I'm calling back that which was stolen. I'm calling it back to a place of restoration, and it doesn't give up unless God tells you to stop praying that. It doesn't give up till it sees the answer. Humility is a key of the kingdom. It's amazing. It's amazing. What, what God will give to those who choose to humble themselves, God will exalt them, and God will release back that which was stolen. Understanding of God's character and word is a key of the kingdom. You see, the enemy comes to slander God's character and he has from the beginning. We have to know who God is and we have to know uh, what he would and wouldn't do (laughs) to whatever level he will give us understanding of that. We need to be able to say, no, my God would not do that because if you believe God did it, you'll stay in that place. Yeah. Faith stands on the character of God as revealed in his word. I'm going to read you some more scripture and then I'm going to start ministering to people. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 9 to 20. Probably start verse 10. Once again it's the Amplified. For God is not unrighteous. Let's get God's character back where it truly is. God is not unrighteous to forget or overlook your labour and the love which you have shown for his name's sake in ministering to the needs of the saints, his own consecrated people as you still do. But we strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity in realising and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope till the end. See, faith is about your spirit. Faith is even a gift of the spirit. Hope belongs to your soul. When we walk out of faith, our soul starts to lose hope. And out of that comes depression, despair and every other emotional condition. In my nation, which is one of the most blessed nations upon earth, we have the highest suicide rate in the world of our young men under the age of 25. Isn't that incredible? You see, because hope has been taken from that generation. We have projected greenhouse effect, global warming, you name it, the negative is out there and when your soul starts to lose hope, you can't walk in that place of faith. Listen to this. In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. Now that's a strong word for you. Okay? Getting slack. But imitators behaving as do those who through faith, by their leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness and by the practice of patient endurance. Don't quit. Don't quit. Have you ever seen that drawing of, um, it's a great big uh, bird, a crane I think, swallowing a frog and the frog's nearly down its throat but what you see is the frog's got two hands out And it's trying to strangle the big bird that's swallowing it. Okay, don't quit. Have patience, have endurance, have faith because it says we're now waiting to inherit the promises because we didn't quit. And these scriptures go on to talk about how God gave a promise to Abraham. He waited long and he endured patiently. I'm going to go to verse 16, verse 18. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath. Okay, his promise is his word, his written word, his oath is the covenant he made. Isn't that remarkable? In which it is impossible, now here's a good impossible, it's impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us. You see, God is restoring back to his church the picture of, the true picture of a father's heart. There's one thing that has been broken down in the earth, it's fatherhood, isn't it? And we're calling back the men into the house of God because there's been a shortage of godly men to stand in their position in the church, hasn't there? And God is calling them back in and he's raising up fathers and he's restoring the truth about his fatherhood. For those of us who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as, sure, as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps upon it, a hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. See, God is restoring hope. He's restoring faith. He's restoring hope. Sometimes it's easier for us to walk in faith because it's, it's a, um, a, fa- a faculty of our spirit. God gives us faith. He has gifted each one of us with faith and we can grow that faith. But hope gets involved in our emotions and because our emotions have been damaged and hurt, sometimes we can't walk in faith. And so to unlock the impossible, we need to use faith. One of the things I want to do this morning is firstly to pray for you as a group. Because some people are needing to be healed of that loss of hope. Some people here are needing to be healed of disappointment today because things haven't worked the way you thought they would work. And maybe you've continued to walk in faith outwardly but in your hearts underneath there's just that sense of disappointment. Maybe you've blamed yourself because you didn't see an answer to prayer. Maybe you've blamed God. You see, God wants to heal that foundation because then he's going to raise this church up to another level as a church of restoration. You know, there's tremendous joy in this room (laughs) and there can't be joy in a church without, there has to be a good foundation. But, But God releases us in layers. So we can be doing really well, but then he can be saying, let me just heal another layer. Yeah, yeah. For the purpose of, expanding your walls okay for the purpose of sending you forth yet again as a a great army an army of people that will walk in a level of faith that ministers to the impossible situations you see god um, causes us and allows us to kill the giants in our life so that we have the authority we earn through killing the giants because we all have delegated authority through the work of the cross. But there's a level of authority we can walk in that comes about because we killed those giants in our lives, therefore we have authority over that particular giant. That's why we keep killing the giants. That's why God said, I won't ask you to kill all the giants at once to his people. He said, you can kill them a bit at a time because you kill a giant and you consolidate your strength that thing sticks its head up again, you kill it again. You've got more strength. You have more faith. You have more authority in that area. Isn't that right? Yeah. So do we want to unlock the impossible today? Yes, (laughs) I thought you did. Do we want to complete the restoration of all things? See it activated in our lives, in our churches, in our nations? Yeah. Because the church that God is raising up is not limited to any one nation. We all have a role. The first person who set foot upon the nation of Australia, a guy with an unpronounceable Spanish name, prayed a prayer and he dedicated it as the Great South Land of the Holy Spirit. What a dedication. What a dedication. And we sing a song, which I won't sing to you. (laughs) It goes like this This is the Great South Land of the Holy Spirit. We sing it in our churches. You know, and every nation has a prophetic destiny. And those who will rise within each nation to that prophetic destiny are the body of Christ. And this is the people that God is raising up. Can I just ask you to stand? Something in what I've said today has probably spoken to pretty much everybody in this room, I would imagine. Something needs restoring in your life to a greater level than it's ever been restored before. And we're just going to access it this morning. I just want to open it up in the spirit that we can pull down from heaven the very answers we need to take us out of the place we've been in. Maybe you've been like Jeremiah in that prison and, and God speaks to you and it seems so impossible. God, how can I even buy a field when I'm in prison? How can there be restoration of my nation? So let's take a moment just lift our hands to heaven this morning. I'm going to pray for you as a group of people and as I do this, you just reach into the very heavenlies and pull down over your lives that area of restoration that needs to be activated today. Father, in Jesus' name according to your word we reach into the very kingdom of heaven this morning and we pull down and we activate that restoration. Father we call back into our hands those areas of healing. We call the prodigals back into our hands in Jesus name. We call them back from those places that they've walked in, those places of darkness, those places of alienation and we release them back into the house of God. We release them back into the kingdom of God in Jesus name. We call back the Son and the daughters we call back those who've walked away lord god we release them back into the kingdom of god now we say come back from the land of the enemy in jesus name come back from that place of darkness in jesus name come back into the house of god in jesus name with the activation of the houses and the lands with the activation of the finances we see activation of every area of restoration that we need to access today. Father, we receive it according to your word today. Now break every chain, every spirit of unbelief of every heart, Father God. Lord, where there has been unbelief, Father, where there has been hopelessness and despair come to hearts. let your healing anointing just go into every heart now, Lord God. Oh, in Jesus' name, we release that uh, healing power of Jesus Christ now. Let that healing water flow today. Let it flow, Lord God, where there's been disappointment with God. Oh, in Jesus' name, those of you particularly who have been uh, wounded and disappointed, let that spirit of disappointment go. There's just been an entering in of... Um, uh, there's a chain that has locked you into that disappointment area and today I break that chain in Jesus name I break that chain of disappointment off your heart, off your mind Mm, for those of you who have uh, blamed yourself just give it to Jesus today if you blew it, give it to Jesus if you think you're it, give it to Jesus. He releases you today from your past and your failures and your mistakes. He releases you today from the very lies of the enemy that have accused you and the accuser of the brethren has come by day and by night. <clears throat> and I release those chains off your minds in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can sit down now. You can sit down now. You see, when God starts to move like that, he can very quickly do something that might take a long time. You've all got a lot of faith here today. I can feel the faith in the place and I can feel the joy. And God is just wrapping a couple of things up because it's going to be exciting. Would you mind, could I pray for you as a representative of the church? Because I want to speak, I want to speak something into the next season of this church and you know with regard to the prophetic uh, the prophetic should speak in two ways it should speak encouragement and it should speak to potential and sometimes when somebody like me comes in and speaks to potential what I speak about is what might be a long way off and what might take a process to come to pass okay so Don't think it's all got to happen tomorrow if I say something that may be part of the future process of this church. Okay, guys? It's got to be prayed through. It's got to be worked through in wisdom. And I'm just going to pray for you and your wife as a couple firstly. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this couple who have laboured and who have carried your spirit and your will and your purpose in this place. And, Father, I thank you that in this season, Lord God, that it's a season of the very freshness and activation of the promises they were given. Even ten years ago, I see a time when you were uh, given the word of the Lord and you haven't seen aspects of that come to pass. Some of it has come to pass. And God says you're at the end of that ten-year cycle and you're beginning a new one. And in the new season, it's a season of uh, the fruit of the seed that was planted 10 years ago it's a season of harvest it's a season of multiplied harvest and God says that which is promised to you as a couple is now, start to, is now going to start to manifest in incredible ways and I see God um, hastening the time for you both I see God is uh, bringing release and I see uh, opportunities that have never come your way before for God is saying son and daughter because of your faithfulness because you have sowed in all seasons you're going to be called upon more and more and you're going to carry what I've given you into uh, the four corners of the earth and God says even as there's been uh, an impartation into the area of England so there is going to be impartation of what I've gifted you with into uh, many of the nations of Europe and certainly the United Kingdom there's going to be a going forth And uh, even as, yes, I heard the announcement about people going out, but I see there's going to be multiplied going out and you as a couple are going to be called upon more and more to be the ones who carry that impartation into other places. And God says even where there has been attempts to fence that in and attempts to close that down, God says, surely I'm opening it up by my spirit and I'm shining my spotlight upon you. And the Lord says, I'm sending you to places where you will be heard And you'll be listened to. And I see God unlocking a treasure chest over your lives. And uh, in that treasure chest is more than enough finance. It's multiplied finance for the work of the ministry, but it's also multiplied finance for your own lives. And even as you have not required that, even as you have paid that price and you've not asked me for it back, So God says even as Abraham sacrificed Isaac without question and I gave him back his Isaac. So God says to your son and daughter I'm giving you back your Isaac. And uh, I'd have you to carry the apostolic and prophetic mantle says your God uh, into many places but also to many people. And I see the nation of Africa opening up before you. Uh, I see even um, looks like a training college in Africa. (laughs) And uh, I see that element of Training and reproduction, uh, the equipping for ministry becoming more and more uh, evident upon your lives in a very, very practical way. And uh, for the church, what I see is that um, as I look at these physical walls, I can see that, you know, with everybody who's here today, you're a bit full. But I, I see God opening up and removing. The walls. Now, this may be natural or spiritual, okay? It could be both. But I see God is making a large place. He's making a place with room for growth. Even as the sons of the prophets said, this place is not large enough, enough for us to be what you want us to be. And God says, so it's a time of that enlargement. It's a, t- it's a Jabez time. It's a time of... God bless me and enlarge me uh, so that I may not cause pain. And so there is blessing in the enlargement. There is blessing in the growth. There is blessing even, says God, in that which I will uh, lay before you, which may not even be that which you have ever considered that you would do as a church. And God says as the blueprints are unrolled, you're going to look at them with amazement and say, well, I never thought of that. And I never thought of that. (laughs) And I never thought of that. (laughs) So God says there's a flexibility that needs to come in this season. And uh, even as you have uh, demonstrated that flexibility, and yet, says God, uh, you have not yet seen just how flexible I'll need you to be. For I've created and called you to be a people uh, of great flexibility. And yet within that flexibility, says your God, there is direction, there is strength, Uh, That this is not random, says your God, but that it is a positioning for the purpose for which I have called and gathered this very army. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.